Welcome to the Seated Above podcast, where you will be empowered to live an ascended life in Christ mystically, financially, physiologically, and governmentally. Here's your host, Brian Orm. Why does money matter? Why is it important for us to learn how to multiply resource? Is this connected to the kingdom? Is this connected to our purpose? Is this connected to seeing change in our cities? In this podcast, we're going to learn about this and more to understand our position in relation to money and to come out of dysfunctional spaces in our understanding of our role and money's role in our life and through our life. In Jesus' name, come on. Welcome, everybody, to the Seated Above podcast. I'm your host, Brian Orm. Thanks so much for listening today. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Leave a rating. Leave a review. That would be incredible. We're jumping into the topic of money matters today. You know, one question I get asked often is when I do post on my social media, if you don't follow me, follow me on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, all the stuff. What's one of the topics that gets the most pushback? That's the question I get. And interestingly enough, out of everything I post about, and there's some things I post about that can be maybe perhaps triggering to someone or just kind of revealing some of the absurd things that we have tended to believe in the body of Christ. But out of all these things, the one that brings the biggest pushback is money. It's true. There's just something about money that causes people to get really either riled up or uncomfortable. And to me, that reveals the depth of the dysfunctional relationship with money many in the body of Christ have had for too long. You know, it's it's an interesting topic that begins to reveal a lot of stuff. And at the end of the day, money really isn't evil. It just reveals what we believe. You know, I remember watching a show and it was based on people that had won a lottery and it was, what did they do with the money? And it was kind of funny because you had these people, I remember one guy, He, I think he won $100 million, and they'd take him through this enormous house that he bought, and the guy had three gold thrones inside of his house, pure gold. I mean, I don't know why you need one throne, let alone three. And this guy had blazed through his $100 million very quickly, and with every person that won his lottery, it was a similar story. All this money came in, and it was immediately, almost immediately gone. What was happening? It just revealed what they believed. They believed because they lived from a poverty mindset that there wasn't going to be enough. And so they spent everything that came in. That's what a poverty mindset propels a person to do, is they just spend because they find their value in stuff. And you can even look at the person who just saves and saves and saves, and they're kind of a what would be nicknamed as a miser, and they're not very generous. And it's just as much fear in that person than it is the poverty mindset person. You know, in a person that saves everything, there's the fear that there's also not going to be enough. And it's really about having an abundance mindset. This is not our stuff anyways. Like, we can't grow what we believe we own. 
The Hebrew word for owner is ba'al. Yeah, I think you've heard that word before. The Hebrew word for owner is ba'al. When we believe we own the stuff, we begin to function under that spirit of ba'al. 1 Corinthians 4.2, moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. The word faithful here means to protect and maintain what you have in an excellent way. We're called to just take what has been brought to us because everything is his and he is sharing it with us. The Father owns everything and he's sharing it with us. So now we have the privilege and the honor to just simply steward what he's given us. We're not owners in the equation. Luke 19, 17 says, And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little. You shall have authority over ten cities. So here's a cat who was faithful. He was a steward. This is the parable of the talents or parable of the cash because it's talking about money. So you have the guy who takes the money, multiplies it, There's one guy who buries it. It's like, that's safe, right? We're just going to save it. But it was driven by fear. But then you have this guy who multiplies it. And then his promotion isn't just, hey, you're going to enjoy the rewards of the multiplication. You're now going to have authority over 10 cities. The guy who multiplies money now has governance, has influence, over 10 cities. What if one of the reasons the church has not had significant influence in cities is because of a lack of understanding on how to multiply money and or a dysfunctional relationship with money? What if that's one of the reasons the church hasn't had significant influence in cities? I mean, think about it for a moment. And I'm a big fan of the local church here. We need local churches. And some are going to be small and some are going to be medium and there's going to be mega churches. And there's nothing wrong with these things. They're expressions of the kingdom. Now, there are some churches that are not expressions of the kingdom. But in some cities, you can see hundreds and hundreds of churches, yet the poverty rate doesn't change. The domestic abuse rate doesn't change. All these things, systemic issues in the cities don't seem to be changing no matter how many churches are there. So I'm just proposing a question here. What if one of the reasons that is is because of a lack of understanding how to multiply money and or a dysfunctional relationship with money? I was speaking one time in a meeting and I asked a question to the crowd. I said, how many of you want to change the world? And everyone started, yeah, they're going crazy. They're clapping hands. They're shouting. I said, okay, sounds like you need a lot of money. Now it gets a little more quiet. Like, look, at the end of the day here, prayer is not enough. That might sound controversial. Prayer is important. It's foundational. It's not enough. Like, prayer isn't going to change a city. It's not just prayer. There also needs to be money. If solutions are going to be ground out into the systems of society, it is going to require cash to do so. When you look at the 1%, those 
kind of the mega wealthy that have significant influence in what happens in media, in politics, and in other things. What's interesting is we can call that high finance. You know, high finance really drives a lot of the stuff that's happening. You know, even political figures are driven by high finance. It's not they themselves as a political figure that are really doing everything. It's the money behind it all that's driving legislation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I'm beginning to pray, God, would you raise up sons and daughters that would be positioned in high finance, significant amounts of resource, so the nations will be blessed, the kingdom would advance, solutions from heaven will be implemented so that reformation begins to manifest in the systems of the world. But we've got to address how we relate to money. Psalm 36, 8-9 says, They relish and feast on the abundance of your house, and you cause them to drink of the stream of your pleasures. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light do we see light. I love this. They relish and feast on the abundance of your house. The purpose of abundance is that the nations are blessed, the kingdom advances, and legacy is established for our families. This is the purpose of abundance. Like prosperity is not even the goal here. Prosperity is simply a byproduct of our relationship with an abundant father. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who has given you the power to make wealth that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. This is crazy, right? He's giving you power. There's a power that is very specific. It is specific to the creation of wealth, the multiplication of wealth. Again, remember, money doesn't corrupt. It just reveals what we believe. Interestingly enough, Jesus talked about money more than he talked about prayer. So what if with our prayer meetings, we paired them with money meetings? And I'm not joking here, I'm being serious. What if we had prayer meetings coupled with money meetings? Lord, we're praying for our city. Would you give us divine strategy on how to multiply money? Would you bring a download of financial literacy? Or let me ask you this, if you had the option of learning how to multiply money from a minister who's always struggling financially, or a person who doesn't know Christ that's a multimillionaire, who do you want to learn how to multiply money from? I'm going to choose the guy or the gal who is a multimillionaire. They have learned something. There's something that they have learned that I need to understand. That we begin to multiply resource again so the nations are blessed, the kingdom continues to advance, and there's legacy for our families. It's a blessing and a kingdom principle to leave a blessing for your children's children. If that's going to happen, then we have to learn how to multiply finance. Now, when the Father gives us bread, Think of it this way, when Jesus was given bread, that wasn't enough. There was bread and there was fish, but it wasn't enough, quote unquote. So Jesus took that bread, he broke it, held it up to heaven, 
and called for heaven to multiply it against debt. And so think about it in your finance. Take what seems to be not enough right now. Maybe you're looking at a situation like there's not enough. All right, God, here's the bread that I have. I break it, I hold it up to heaven, and I call upon heaven to fall upon this that it would multiply. It would multiply against debt, that your power would come upon this. Even saying, Father, I receive your power specific to the creation of wealth. Jesus divided what he was given, that bread and fish, and the mountain of supply, the heavenly supply, came down to meet the portion. This is the amazing reality of what we've been birthed into, the kingdom of God, where there's no lack. There's so much abundance in the kingdom that there, our greatest resource, which is gold on earth, the gold in heaven is so pure, it's clear as crystal. There's zero impurities, and they're using it for pavement, for drywall. The new Jerusalem is all gold, clear as crystal. The pathways they're walking on, gold, clear as crystal. So when it talks about in Corinthians that Jesus became poor so that we could become rich, this is not talking about spiritual riches, by the way, it's talking about cash, well, you could say, well, Jesus became poor. You remember he had no place to lay his head. And people will use that to say, look, Jesus was poor because he had no place to lay his head. What he was saying is there's no place for my government to rest because the government rests on his shoulders. He's saying there's no place for my government to rest right now. He's looking for a place. He was looking for, for a people that his government could rest upon. And when it says Jesus became poor, well, he's coming again from a world that's so abundant that their pavement is gold, that the walls are gold. There's jewels everywhere. There's just complete abundance. So when he came to earth, yes, he became poor. Jesus was not poor. There were people, the Magi, who brought gold, frankincense, and myrrh. There were wealthy women that supported Jesus. One was the Herod Stewart, would have had access to millions of dollars. They helped support Jesus. Jesus traveled with 12 guys. I don't know if you've ever gone on vacation with a big family. It's expensive. Now imagine 12 grown men, and you're traveling all over the place. That's expensive. And Jesus wore these cloaks. He was a rabbi, and on the end of these cloaks were tassels. These tassels were dipped in blue dye. Blue dye was extremely expensive. One thimble of blue dye would cost about forty-five dollars to $50,000 of our money today. So Lydia, the dye dealer, was a multimillionaire. So Jesus's cloak, when they're casting lots for his cloak, remember this? He's dyed and they're like, we want to get his cloak. Why do they want this cloak? Because it was freaking worth a lot of money. I mean, some people are wearing a suit that might be $5,000. Jesus is wearing a cloak that was probably ten dollars to $15,000 a piece. I doubt he only had one. And so again, this is just reiterating the reality that Jesus was not poor. He was not struggling. I've never met a poor person who had a treasure. Have you ever been in the streets and you're maybe giving someone 
uh, a homeless person money, say, hey, could you hold on? I need to get a hold of my treasure to see where my finances are. No. A poor person does not have a treasure. And so Jesus did not function from a place of poverty. He had a prosperous mindset and a prosperous outlook. You know, you read in the Proverbs that cities rejoice when the righteous prosper. A city is going to rejoice when the righteous prosper. They're not rejoicing at the poverty of the body of Christ in a city. They're not rejoicing going, man, they are barely making it. The city rejoices when the righteous are prospering in finance, in health, prospering in their soul, etc., etc. You know, in the New Testament, money is talked about more than salvation and faith combined. In fact, 10 times more. Money is talked about 10 times more than salvation and faith combined. There are thousands of verses in the Bible about money. This is a very important topic to God. So we need to become more financially literate. And so my encouragement to you is to begin to learn about how money works, learn what money really is. There's a difference between currency and money. I do get into this in a course I did called Abundance Intelligence. I also help people in the area of cryptocurrency understand that space. I have workshops, coaching, and a monthly group where we prophetically pray into crypto called Abundance Intelligence Briefings. There are, these are all resources and tools that can help you have a greater literacy in these areas. But this is an important topic for us to learn how to multiply, to receive the power that he's given us, to see wealth creation so the nations are blessed, our cities rejoice, reformation can take place, and there's legacy for our families. So I declare blessing over you as you understand, function as a steward, and learn how to multiply the resource that God has for you and those around you. In Jesus' name. You've been listening to the Seated Above podcast with Brian Orm. If you've enjoyed the episode today, please share it with someone who appreciates living an ascended life. Want to go deeper into this type of content? Head over to iBorm.com to access Brian's courses, workshops, coaching, and more.